Okay, we talked about setting the tone and owning the process on the last podcast. Today, we're going to address the mindset needed to treating the interview like a sales cycle. Matt, what do we mean by that? To be fair, everything is a sales cycle and everybody is in sales. Whether you're in the room selling to customers or you're a customer selling those ideas internally. No different in an interview. You are the product. Your skills are the capabilities that will deliver value. And the negotiation is actually your compensation, ultimately. And if you're in sales, there's a good chance the thing you're best at is selling. And it would behoove you to wrap that effective process around the broken recruitment process, specifically in this case, the interview, own the dialogue, own the direction, and own you as the product. I really like that. I talked with a few of my peers and this light bulb goes off for them when we talk about this concept that the interview is a sales cycle. Like you're an AE. That's what you do. You manage people to a decision, no matter what the product is. But for some reason, when they get into the interview, they stop acting like an AE. They don't close in an interview or they don't they don't use some of the things that they do so well as part of their profession. Yeah. What's funny, it just made me think, when you take a fish out of water, it still tries to swim because it's really, really good at swimming. So as you're going into an interview process and you're a sales rep, just remember to be a fish, right? Ted Lasso said, be a goldfish. In this case, be a trout, whatever it is that you want to be. Uh, and remember what you're good at, even though you're in a different element. Yeah. Like it's an opportunity, just like an opportunity to sell your product. The interview is an opportunity for you to get a new role. There's different stages in an opportunity. Give us some nuggets on sales cycle. Like give me those nuggets around using your network, creating a buzz, all those, all those great little insights. Yeah. So when we think about looking for a new gig, a new sales role, or you've been laid off, the first thing you should do because you are a salesperson, you're treating it like a sales cycle is tier your network. So go on LinkedIn. If you got a thousand, 2000, 3000 people you're connected to create an Excel spreadsheet, ABC, just like you would tier your territory. So your A contacts are your hiring managers. Anybody that has a role as a leader that can make a decision on people that they can hire. And once you tier your network, then you really need to think about how you're going to go after those particular content, how you're going to create referral buzz. So one of the things that I did when I was, I took my three month break, I told my whole network, all right, I'm taking a three month break, but I'm going to be in the market in about three months. And if you talk to a recruiter or any hiring manager, let them know if you're not interested in the opportunity that, you know, there's someone I think you should talk to. It's Dan. He's going to be in the market in two or three weeks. And he's definitely someone you should talk to because he's not going to be on the market long. And telling your network to be your brand advocates and amplify your brand. And these are close peers. These are people that you've done things for and they're going to do things for you. And those are those are your testimonials if you are a product that's validating that you can solve a need and you're highly skilled. Those are just some ideas at the beginning of the funnel. And maybe for those who don't have thousands of contacts who are maybe a couple of years out of school, you've got... Your other A contacts or B contacts could be professors, coaches, parents, friends who are in leadership, whatever it might be. Those are great people who can help become a referral for you. They might not always be able to hire you, but because their network is significantly larger, they can point you in the right direction. I don't want to lose sight of the fact that some people you know, don't have 3,000, 4,000 people to, to pull from. So Yeah, that's a great context. When we think about where you're at in your career, you have somebody you trust, somebody that will, if you're doing things right in life, that will be an advocate of your brand. So you have to tear those people. 
yeah. A, a, B, or C contact. And I, I tell you what, the, the pay-per-click is really low when you're reaching out to people who are willing to take a phone call from you and will advocate on your behalf at no cost. If you've done that effectively, that's going to stir up some dust and you're going to you're going to be in a few of these cycles pretty quickly. Dan, talk a little bit about what comes next after you've created that referral buzz. Like, How do you get ready? You start to create the referral buzz, but then I think you can go into a selling motion. So if there's a manager that you want to work for. So if you're following them on LinkedIn, you really like their content, like it, contribute to it. There's two schools of thought. You may sound desperate if you're in-mailing them, but I think there's a way to do that. I think you can say, hey, I've talked to some of the people that report to you. I've talked to others who've worked with you and you are a leader that I think I want to work for one day. These are the reasons why, and I'd like to stay networked with you. And you start to build kind of a lead funnel of like lead nurturing. So you're doing these outreaches to people that you admire in the space. If there's one thing you know about salespeople, even if they're leaders, they have an ego. They're good. They like to be told they're good. And if you believe they're good, you know, start to lead nurture that and do some engagement and start start reaching out. You know, it's funny. Another thing about salespeople, and I fall victim to this, is I love a good pitch. Like if the Windows guy comes out and he crushes it, I'm really thinking about Windows all of a sudden because I respect the craft. And any good leader is going to at least admire the fact that you had mentioned three or four people on their team. You brought in a perspective that maybe you picked off of Glassdoor or a site that provides insights on what it's like to work in that role. And you brought a perspective, to your point, with some flattery and other elements, you put together a pretty polished pitch as to why they should at least consider you. Because that's all you're trying to do at that point is gain consideration, right? Yeah. Have you heard of blind.com? Sounds like a dating site for <laughs> when I first downloaded it, um, I was like, what is this thing? And I had a mid-market rep tell me about it. And it's kind of like Glassdoor and some of the other tools that are out there, but there's literally AEs talking about offers that they received from various companies. And is this a low offer? There's AEs talking about the sales culture in it. But what I realized is it's also a treasure trove. AEs like to help other AEs out. It's just, it's a community because we know we get rejected (laughs) all the time. And blind.com is a treasure trove for AEs that want to take advantage of their company's referral bonus. (laughs) I've known about this like two years ago. I probably could have made 10, 15 grand just referring. (laughs) Dan, you just made me recognize something in this line of, uh, of talking. So every sales cycle has a fairly similar process. You prospect. You engage, you run discovery, you validate business requirements, you confirm, do we have power budget timing? Uh, And then you negotiate the final close. And in what you've talked about today, I would draw a parallel between prospecting and tiering your network, leveraging the people you know, the lead list. Engage, you're creating that referral buzz that you talked about. You're essentially making yourself you're making them aware that you're an opportunity the same way you would in a prospecting email or a pro- that initial first call of BDR, SDR make. In discovery, you're reaching out to those in the role. You're reaching out to leaders that you admire. You're looking at Glassdoor, which essentially should be your 10K report. It gives you all the insights you need. You're using blind.com to really understand more about it. That's your discovery. From there, within that, and when you have actual dialogue with these VPs or people in the role, you're running sort of the, what we call, you and I have effectively credit. You came up with it, the POW, pay, opportunity, work-life balance. Do they align for me based on what I'm hearing in my discussions with my peers that are in the role that I want to be in and the leaders that I admire and maybe want to work for? 
You internally are then confirming, confirm would be the next step. Are all these things aligned? If so, I begin to negotiate the foreclosure, which is the salary component. And so prospect, engage, discover, validate, confirm, negotiate. To me, that sounds like a recruitment process also, but it's primarily a sales process. And if we apply the things that we're really good at as sales professionals, which is owning that process, I think it puts our listeners and those who are unfortunate enough to have to go through this or fortunate enough to have the opportunity to go through, you're going to put yourself in a position where your skills are highlighted and your uh, your talents are are best leveraged. I like how you rounded that out in terms of the from prospect to negotiate because you know validate confirm i think a lot of times when we're in the actual process we forget that along the way you're asking that hiring manager to validate the role and what's needed and you think about like where does roi and cost justification come into this i talked with somebody that's been out of work for a while and they're going through a lot of interviews. There are some of them, times he's getting ghosted and sometimes he's getting all the way to the end of the interview. And he goes, it takes like six to eight weeks in their interview cycle. So think about your sales cycle. Is it six to eight weeks? So you can walk backwards from the hire date. So if you're in any sales cycle and you're talking to the hire manager, ask the question, how important it is that you have a high performing person in this role over the next 60 days? If this goes past 30 days, are you going to be able to hit your monthly number, quarterly number, yearly number. Yeah. Right. And start to quantify some of that so that you can drive some urgency because we all know cycles get drawn out and so does the interview cycle. So I think the more you can quantify the pain of not having the right person in this role, you might be able to accelerate it, or at least they know that you know how to run a great cycle. That's absolutely critical to own the process, which we talked about in the first, uh, the, the first podcast. When you're bringing in an effective sales cycle, you're asking the line of questioning that you just highlighted. I know everybody, at least at Salesforce, is a little gets. It's kind of like nails on a chalkboard when you say like, "Where's your mutual plan?" <laughs> but if you collect those necessary dates and those necessary insights, you aren't creating a mutual plan in the sense of it being a means of managing upward at the organization you're at, it actually becomes a mutual commitment to getting you in role so you can deliver on those needs. And if you effectively ask that line of questioning to understand what happens if this role isn't filled in 30 days, who's responsible for the ACV growth in those accounts while there's this gap? And how does that impact you in your quarterly forecasting right now. First of all, if a, if a, if I was interviewing somebody and they asked me those things, I'm thinking this guy is in my head because he's he's hitting all the nerves. And those are the things that are keeping me up at night. If you articulate back your ability to solve those and run a mutual plan alongside that as a commitment to achieve, I would call it the pressure release for that leader. It's in a totally different context. And a mutual plan in this case makes a lot of sense. I would argue that the sales leader would run harder at getting you there based on those commitments, because you've articulated how they solve problems for for him or her. You just triggered an idea for me. When I was a leader, I had an open territory. It wasn't filled. I was the rep. I had to do all the manager stuff, but then I'm the rep where I have to answer questions, get them over to tech support. No one's driving the account. There might be a renewal in there. And if you as a candidate can say, how many open territories do you have right now? How are you managing being an AE and an RVP. I kind of cringed when you brought up having a ton of empty seats and having to rehire. So close us out here, Matt. If you can summarize really what we want people to take away in this podcast. Yeah, I think going back to my example of you take a fish out of water, it still swims. 
you are a sales professional, you're a tech AE, whatever it might be, you know how to sell better than those around you. Bring that process into the broken interview process and turn it into a sales cycle. You are the product, your skills are the capabilities, and pricing is essentially your compensation. And if you do that effectively, run a strong mutual plan along it, uh, identifying the, uh, the steps that we talked about, which about prospecting to your network, engage, create a referral buzz, discovery, reach out to those in the role that you want to be in, reach out to RVPs, validate business requirements, do pay opportunity and work-life balance make sense for me? Am I a good fit? Is this a good fit for me? Confirm with yourself and then negotiate your salary. Prospect, engage, discover, validate business requirements, confirm, negotiate for the final close. I love it. Treating the interview like a sales cycle. All right, Dan, it's your turn this time. Why don't you drop a little wisdom on the group? Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. That's excellent. There it is, Dan. Nice work. Thanks, folks, for listening in. We're going to close out this podcast. Join us on our next episode when we talk about building a memorable 60 to 90 second deal story. Sounds an awful lot like the demo. See you later on in the cycle. 